to Pushing It, where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth, and life with a new baby. Because if you can't laugh without peeing yourself, you might as well laugh at yourself while doing it. I'm Elise McAllister. And I'm Jen Laird. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hey there, welcome. Thanks so much for listening. We are so so excited today to have Candace Nicole of Goldilocks on our show. Hi, Candace. Thank you so much for having us. I'm so excited. Well, it's just me today. There's two Candaces, but thank you for having me as representative of Goldilocks. <laughs> yeah. So, um, say because uh, uh, Elise was talking. Say the name of your business again because we love it so much. <laughs> it is Goldilocks, and that is not as in laxative. It is in Goldilocks, like lactation. Goldilocks. Yes. Love it. So, um, listeners, as you can tell, since we're talking to someone who specializes in assisting people with lactation, aka breastfeeding, um, that's what we're going to be Oh, but maybe she could like branch out and have like a second business that's Goldilocks. And you could talk about the first poop after having a baby while talking about breastfeeding. Okay. Oh my God. The first poop after having a kid, it's orgasmic or extremely painful. However it goes for you. It's scary. Sometimes you're like, what if another baby comes out? Yeah. Way off topic. So, Candace, tell us a little bit about yourself personally and um, what you're doing professionally here. Um, well, myself personally, I am LA born and raised. I am a mom of two. I have a daughter, Charlie, who will be nine in December, and I have a son, Nico, who just turned three. Um, who, yes, who is also still breastfeeding because I cannot get him off of my boob, but that's another podcast episode. Um, and I professionally, I have a degree in psychology. I was in the field of kind, I was kind of a Renaissance woman before I had Nico. I've had my hand dipped in a bunch of different professions, but while pregnant with Nico, my best friend also named Candace, Candace Jane (laughs) was also pregnant. And, um, we became increasingly obsessed with breastfeeding during our pregnancies. Every conversation just came back to it and how we both had a miserable time breastfeeding our daughters. We both have older daughters. Um, And then when our boys were born within a week of each other, we both encountered some obstacles and we were like each other's best friends and lactation consultants just built in. And I had a horrible bout of mastitis that put me in the hospital. Candace had another bout of mastitis and we just looked at each other like we need to help women get through this. We need to educate them. We need to inform them. I don't want to go back to work. Do you want to go back to work? Hell no. So let's start our own business. And now we're off and running and it's just been incredible. We go into women's homes and we do these two hour long, really in-depth counseling lactation consultations where we kind of walk them through any trauma surrounding their birth and how to kind of embrace those feelings and not carry those feelings into their breastfeeding journey. And um, 
I'm also a certified postpartum doula. So I assist women with a lot of postpartum mood disorders and things like that. And we just kind of balance each other out and share clients and really build this strong team of support around you while you're going through this incredible journey that is totally like mind altering and sometimes soul crushing and really difficult. And, um, it's just incredible, incredible work that we're doing. And I'm so grateful and really honored to get to do it. The women that we meet are amazing. So we're going into our third year. Okay. (laughs) That's awesome. And the postpartum doula, you, you actually do do the Poopla thing, like yeah. the doula of the poop postpartum. <laughs> I do, you do deal with poop. Yes, I normalize the shit out of shit. Yes, yes, <laughs> we love it. Oh my goodness, I love it so much. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're going to fight over who gets to talk to you I right know. now. Um, one thing that I'm thinking about is just how different, and I guess also having been a resident of Southern California, where you live in the Los Angeles area, is yeah. how um, spread out, um, even if you have friends in the same city as you, um, being in Southern California, things are just so spread out, right? So yes. a lot of... I think chimes have changed where there's a small community of we've watched um, our mothers, our sisters, our friends breastfeed. We've been around during the postpartum time where there's not the small town community feel and the normalization of feeding our babies that there once was. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that just having your business was born out of need as well as necessity. And um, sometimes we hear clients say, um, man, has breastfeeding gotten more complicated or what's happening? If this is supposed to be a natural, normal thing that I, you know, my body just does, why do I not know how to do it? Um, so right. everyone's got a horror story now. And we hear so many of our clients say that they're, hoping to breastfeed right. now instead of intending to breastfeed, that they're going to give it a try. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. There's, there's so much information out there, so much um, conflicting information, so much misinformation. Um, and I think that one of the pieces, the main pieces that's missing is the basic hospital breastfeeding prep class that you go to in a group just doesn't talk about, it talks about the function of breastfeeding, but it does not talk about the feelings of breastfeeding and it misses. Yeah. It misses the point that this is a learned skill for your body and for your baby. It's like a a beautiful dance and a relationship that you have to work at cultivating. It takes a lot of work. It doesn't, you know, it's not just a matter of like popping this really tired newborn who's just come out of your birth canal onto your breast during the golden hour and then thinking that that's how breastfeeding is going to be for the rest of your journey. It's not like that for many of us. So um, our business was definitely born out of a need for a village. And we were just blessed to be going through the same thing at exactly the same time. And it was really inspired by our need to provide other women with that feeling of like, 
I am, yes, I am educated in this subject. Yes, I can offer you a lot of information, but more so than that, I can offer you a relatability and a sense that you are not alone. And that is definitely what's missing out here in our society, 100%. So do you think that that is um, partly having to do with culture, that culture's changed and there isn't as much, there was um, I would say a generation or two ago, not a lot of people breastfeeding. And now there's the push for breast is best, right? Yes. I think that it's kind of a dichotomy, right? We have a society where things are very technologically advanced. So scientifically, we've done more research. We know that breast is best, quote unquote, simply because of the scientific makeup of breast milk and what we know is in it now. Um, And we have not yet perfected a scientific recipe for formula that matches it. So because we're aware of that, we have this extreme push for breastfeeding so we can scientifically support that. But economically, we can't technically support it. Familially and socially, we're not with a village made up of our family members anymore because most of us have either moved away from our family or we live in a two-income household where it's very difficult for us to work and breastfeed at the same time. We have employee um, or like, you know, workplace culture that does not support breastfeeding. Like there's so many different topics that color what we're talking about right now and just the very basic sexualization of breasts in general you know that discourages women from being proud to breastfeed in public you know we have so many misguided opinions about breastfeeding and they come from many many different directions so women are flooded with these insecurities going into the breastfeeding relationship with their baby that they feel like they're already overpowered. So why even try? Why even push through the obstacles that we're hearing, which are are so often the horror stories, just like when we're pregnant, it's always Mm -hmm. the, you know, I've got a friend who had this terrible Mm -hmm. thing happen. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were going to give a piece of advice, somebody who's pregnant right now and has hopes of breastfeeding and wanted to know, what do I need to do to prepare? Mm -hmm. What advice would you give them? Well, I would first say, take our amazing breastfeeding prep 101 class. Um, We will, we'll put up a link in our show notes. Mm -hmm. Um, So they know where to find you. Oh, awesome. Yes. We do those in person in your home privately. We can do them publicly in a group if you're like us and you have a pregnant friend and you want to do it together. Um, Or we can do them virtually anywhere. So I would definitely recommend taking a breastfeeding prep class with a lactation consultant or a company, you know, like ours that you've done your research on, you've read the reviews, you've gotten word by word of mouth from a mom friend, somebody outside of a hospital that you can trust. Um, Not to say that hospital breastfeeding prep classes that are included, you know, in your insurance or your parenting plan or your birth plan are not definitely worth going to. I just think that building a relationship with someone that has already 
already prepared you for the breastfeeding relationship that you envision can also come right. back and see you afterwards, knowing your goals, being familiar with you. You're already comfortable with them. Um, yeah. So they can get down to the nitty gritty of what's going on. And you already have that support in place, that personal support that you're going to need. It's really nice to have a little bit, even if it's not just one-on-one, but even just a couple moms together with um, a lactation consultant to to talk about these things too in that sort of class, um, rather than your large breastfeeding class in a hospital-based type class. Um, Yeah, things that are more intimate, you get so much more individualized attention. You can ask all the embarrassing questions without being in front of a ton of people you don't know, you know? Uh, the thing I think about the most is when speaking of sexualization of breasts, they, you know, I feel like I, growing up, I, the, the breasts that I always saw on television were always breasts with huge nipples. And huh. that's what I, yeah. it, that's what yeah. I thought everybody had. And it wasn't until I was in midwifery school that I realized, oh my goodness, Actually, a lot of people, if not most people, have really flat nipples and that a lot of people actually have inverted nipples too. And I think a lot of people with flat or inverted nipples are walking around feeling kind of, how am I going to even tackle this breastfeeding, you know, relationship at all? And they're they're feeling a little nervous about asking that question. And if you're in a private class or a small class where you feel comfortable, you can ask those questions. You might oh, not yeah. feel up with your provider. I've had so many clients in breastfeeding prep classes where I've said, you know what, just whip them out right now. Let me see what we're working with. <laughs> let's you see know? those. <laughs> yeah, like, let's just be breasties right now. Like, let's get it out of the way because I need to know what I need to set you up with. Like, do you need a nipple averter? Do you need to start figuring out how to use a Haka silicone breast pump so that you can start pulling those bad boys out in between feedings and getting them prepped for your baby? You know, can we, we need to know what we're working with because you can't, you can't imagine that you're going to have this baby who's born with a mouth that is anatomically perfect for your nipple. You just, you can't go into it expecting that. I've worked with moms who have extremely large nipples and extremely large areolas that have just gotten bigger during pregnancy. And then they're, they give birth to this tiny little baby. How could you ever expect that baby to get that, you know, even half of that areola in his mouth? It's just not possible. So we got to implement some other tools and strategies to help you guys get through those first few months of development until your baby's mouth balances out, you know, the monstrosity of your nipple. It's just, it's like we have to accept reality of the situation. You know, we can't go into it thinking that everything is just going to work fluidly and perfectly. It just doesn't right. happen all the time. Because nipples so. are bodies and bodies are all very different. Yeah. And I yeah. think another yes. question, you know, we talk about, you, you mentioned preparing for breastfeeding and I think people hear a lot of different um, suggestions on how to prepare for breastfeeding. And there was a time where I was teaching a group childbirth <laughs> education class and I had somebody raise their hand and say, you know, my grandma bought me a medium bristle toothbrush and she told me every day in the shower to start, you know, toughening up my nipples. Oh. And, oh, 
Oh, uh, uh, I'm like clipping my boobs right now because it just sounds like it hurts so right. bad. Right. All everybody, just take your hands and cover your nipples right now and cover do it. Cover them, oh. protect them. They are sacred. Don't do that. <laughs> Rough them up. But I heard, I hear a lot of that. I, I you know, mm-hmm. and I bet you do too. But can we talk about? Um, what what does everybody need to do to prepare beyond working with, uh, you know, getting a class ahead of time or yeah. what everyone needs to do to prepare is to trust that their body is going to make the milk that their baby needs, whether mm-hmm. they want it to or not. And that if, wow. if obstacles arise, then you have support in place to help you tackle those obstacles. It's not about toughening up your nipples. It's about toughening up your heart and your mind and getting yourself mentally in alignment. Yes. You are speaking our language. You have quoted our hearts and minds. Yes. I mean, it's like, you create colostrum in the second trimester of your pregnancy. Like by default, this is going to happen. Okay. And less than 3% of women are not able to breastfeed their babies. And if they're not able to, it's because something else medically is going on that's serious enough that you probably already know about it going into pregnancy. So if you just relax and accept my body is here, she is doing what she needs to do. I am going to get this baby out one way or another, and I will accept that she will be there for me when it's time to breastfeed. That is more right. than half the battle. Like you don't oh, need a toothbrush to prepare. If anything, you're making your nipples more sensitive by doing that. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So let's, um, can, it was interesting when I was, um, preparing some of these questions yesterday and my, mm-hmm. uh, my niece who is an adult is visiting and I was like, Hey, what, um, what, what questions do you have about breastfeeding that you would be interested in hearing? And she goes, you know, well, one thing I can think of would be how does your breast change throughout pregnancy and after the baby's born and even during breastfeeding? So I was like, so essentially mm. I'm wondering how your breasts change from the time you're pregnant all the way through to what to expect. Maybe you even breastfeed for a year. And she's like, yeah, what, Cause we don't see each other's breasts or like, when does it feel full? When does it not? Um, so so many changes. Yeah, yeah. tell us about some of those changes. What's happening? So <laughs> what do you say? I didn't get to that either. What'd you say? What's tell us what's happening under the shirts or under those breastfeeding covers. <laughs> oh God. So much. Okay. So one of the cool things that I think is really interesting about our breasts in general is that they're not considered to be a mature breast until you have lactated. Yep. So your breast is not considered to be fully mature until your milk ducts have expanded and there is breast milk flowing through them. So you can imagine with the the surge of energy that your body gets during pregnancy, that's like 
an, it's like an alarm to your body. It's like, oh my God, okay, these breasts need to mature right away because we have to support the fact that another human life is going to be given by our body and we have to keep it alive, right? So your breasts go from feeling what's totally normal to you and what you've dealt with your entire life until pregnancy when you have tenderness in certain areas that you've never felt it before. You have nipples that feel like they're on fire sometimes. I mean, I've worked with women who they can't even wear shirts while they're pregnant. They are so incredibly tender and sensitive and just in pain. Some women um, feel like it's the greatest free boob job they've ever gotten. They've gone up in like four cup sizes and they're like, whoa, like where did these come from? Um, The fact of the matter is that all throughout breastfeeding, right after you deliver your placenta and that drop in progesterone happens and you have all that oxytocin flowing through your brain, you got your prolactin kicking in, you have these mechanisms inside of your breast that are constantly filling up, expanding, opening, Mm -hmm. releasing, contracting, all of that stuff is happening. That's why you see the veins protruding through your skin and all of that. So all throughout your baby's first year of development as their needs change for your breast milk and that supply and demand relationship fluctuates. We love to tell our clients that breastfeeding is just one big set of ebbs and flows, you know? Um, yeah, it's it's one big set of ebbs and flows. So you're going to be making a ton of milk depending on which growth spurt your baby is experiencing at the time and the rapid fire brain development and all the demand for extra protein and fats and blah, blah, blah. It's like the list goes on and on and your breasts are constantly adjusting to that. Mm-hmm. So then you get to, you know, whenever you've decided to wean. And like I said, my son, Nico, is still going at three. We, we breastfeed probably once or twice a day for a very short amount of time. It's usually around sleep time because it's his comfort. Um, But my breast literally went from, you know, delivering him. I had these ginormous, you know, melons on my chest to like now I feel like they look like, you know, a a sunny side up egg like nailed to the wall. I think I saw a meme about that the other day. It's like, you know, I've ever heard. (laughs) it's like he took a straw and just sucked the life out of me. And it's okay because my breasts did that. You know, we went through all these changes together and they're beautiful no matter what. It's like, we have to embrace all these changes and just expect that some really off the wall shit is going to happen. And we're here for it because we got these babies here and that's what it's all about. Right. Right. What would you say? um, Do you find some um, clients would say, um, I don't want to breastfeed because of the way it's going to change my breasts? Yes. Yes, I do. I do. So whenever we have that conversation, I ask them, what's underneath that comment? Are you afraid that your breasts are going to change or are you afraid that they're going to change for someone else? Interesting. Ah, or or our society's view of what um, something attractive looks like, and the, yes, modern, exactly. the unrealistic expectations of um, I mean, we live in a world of photoshopping and air touching things, mm-hmm. so people don't actually look like that in real life. But there's, I think, right. um, as much as I social media that that it, those things encourage 
the idea of this moment is perfection because we took a picture of it, right? And there's not yes, not really a representation of what reality is. And that's not typically reality. Big, but not too big nipples for right. us, right? We have somehow mm-hmm. taken this, you know, process of just simply feeding a baby and made it coated in fear, just absolutely around mm-hmm. absolutely everything, whether that's breast shape changing mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm thinking about starving the baby. Like one of the things that we do yeah. here is how do I know my baby's getting enough? Because there isn't, you know, you can't read. Your breasts don't have milliliter markings on them or ounces on them. Mm-hmm. And it's so much easier in a bottle right. to read how much your baby gets versus how much your baby's getting mm-hmm. from a breast. Yeah. Now the three of us all know how to, how to know, or, yeah. you know, we can trust that process. But when you're an exhausted parent in the middle of the night, um, sometimes it sure would be nice to have those markings. Yeah. So how, what advice do you have for new parents on how to tell if your baby's getting enough? And to, um, <laughs> it, it's such a common question. I always like to reiterate the fact that the more numbers we have in our mind, the more we are inducing stress Ooh. because we, we are setting ourselves up to meet a very specific goal Um, And if it's not met in any way, shape or form, or if we fall shy of that mark in any way, we automatically assume that we're a Mm. failure. So for me, it all goes back to we have pediatricians who are amazing at keeping track of numbers for us. So let's let them do their jobs. Okay. And in the meantime, instead of focusing on numbers, let's focus on feelings and behavior. Mm -hmm. If you have a baby who you can see and feel is satiated after a feeding and is comfortable at the breast and a baby who is urinating and shitting everywhere beautifully Mm -hmm. all over the house and you have a baby who is gaining weight (laughs) If all of those behaviors and feelings are in place, then trust yeah. that. Don't tell yourself, oh my God, but you know what? I should probably go pump for 23 minutes and make sure that I get another three and a half ounces into him because by Tuesday, we have had to have gained six more ounces of weight. Like, why? Why do that to yourself? Trust your body, trust your baby, and flow with it. Relax and release into that relationship. It's a relationship. When we meet a partner, we don't look at them and say, okay, by Wednesday, if you haven't taken me out to three dinners and I've laughed 17 times, then you are not the man for me. We don't do that. So why would we do that to our baby? I think all of these numbers can actually, um, and information in those ways can take away from our intuition and our confidence in parenting. And our our culture is very steeped on where we have more information at our fingertips now than any other time in life. And it reminds me of um, when I had a two-year-old and a newborn, you know, infant, um, 
and I'd seen mm. a provider and, um, they had, I was kind of just recounting how she's doing and how, yeah, she's sleeping through the night. And it's so nice now because I'm quite busy with the two-year-old and the baby. And she says, oh, but she is mm-hmm. on the skinnier side. You need to be waking her at night to give her a feed. And I was, I went home and gave my poor mm-hmm. husband an earful of like, what, does she have any idea what she's talking about? What in the world? This baby is developmentally beyond what his expectations are. Look how strong and happy and blah, blah, blah. And my husband just looks at me and goes, don't go back there. Like that provider is not helpful in the way that she's communicating with you. Choose to go to this our family doctor. And so what I'm not advocating for here is um, go around and find a provider who gives you what you're looking to hear. But what I'm trying to advocate (laughs) Here mm-hmm. is I, as yeah. a mother, as an experienced mother, no less, had a no way about mm-hmm. my baby that a provider is simply looking at some numbers and encouraging to go right. with um, a scale that did not work for where my baby was at. And what I was doing was taking into account behavior and mood and, you know, alertness, all of those things and going, well, and for me as well, historically, I'd had a child who was on the smaller side. So I wasn't concerned about her at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's, it's helpful for us to lean also into our intuition here with um, not putting numbers in the way of relationship. Okay. Okay. But I want to play devil's advocate. Right. Do it. So I want to talk about brand new parents who are exhausted. You know, we're not getting any sleep. This baby is not coming off the breast, you know, seeming full, right? This baby's coming off the breast and then wants to get back on 15 minutes later, is nursing for 50 minutes, 5-0, and Mm -hmm. is like, mm-hmm. you know, creeping up on that 10% weight loss, which is, you know, for those who don't have babies on the outside yet and haven't heard that number is, is where most pediatricians, most, most folks are like 10% is kind of that threshold. When we cross over to the other side of that, we really want babies gaining above that. Right. Um, so yeah. Yeah. What words do you have for that? Um, because it's, it's hard to see stay in the trusting the process when you've got a baby that is moving into the, and I hate this term, and I had one of them, failure to thrive state. Failure to thrive. Failure to thrive. My failure to thrive kid who's a, (laughs) oh my God, her sassy little (laughs) 10 year old mouth is thriving just beautifully. All that sushi. Yeah. Like, He's thriving in all the wrong right. areas yeah. for you. <laughs> like you're thriving a little too much. That's what I want to tell my daughter. You're thriving just a little too much. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. For those parents, I say, 
okay, we have some information to work with. We have something that we can talk about. Let's re-examine your goals. How badly do you want to breastfeed? If you still want to breastfeed, let's take it all the way back to basics. And do we need to bring in a supplement or two of formula now to give you the peace of mind that your baby is getting some added nutrition that is tons of times thicker than breast milk that will almost guarantee that they will pack on a little bit of weight. Do we need to do that until you are in a mental space where you are trusting this relationship again? If so, let's do it. I'm all for it. Let's do whatever we have to do. Um, that's, that's, that's mainly the reason why I introduce formula or bring it into a breastfeeding relationship is more so when parents are either overly concerned or just not in a mental state to take any type of criticism about their breastfeeding journey. Well, let's solidify it with a supplement that we know we can count on. Instead of driving you crazy with pumping mm-hmm. specific amounts and therefore running the risk of creating an oversupply, which you don't need to do, right? Because that's incredibly difficult to manage as well. Then let's just bring in a supplement or two, a formula. You pick a time of day when you give it to them. That will provide you with the peace of mind that you're giving them something a little extra, a little boost. And then at the next pediatrician appointment, we'll see where we're at and we'll revisit the plan again. We are known for adjusting our plan as many times as as it takes for our clients to reach their goals. Nothing that we say is ever written in stone. I don't care how many times we talk about it. It's never written in stone. And when a baby is dropping weight is when I start to worry. I typically don't worry until a baby loses weight. So I always say if they're maintaining their weight or they've gained even a third of an ounce, we know we're on the right path. So... When they start losing weight, we have something to worry about. But until then, you keep doing what you're doing and you trust that that baby is going to hit yeah. their stride, hit a growth spurt, and all of a sudden you'll be on your way. But you have to trust that you're going to make it there with proactive, preventative maintenance for your boobs in between feedings, tons of skin to skin, keeping it at the basics of the relationship and being you know, determined to have that consistency I love it. in in the early postpartum, um, there it's especially important to look at it in small chunks, kind of like getting through labor, right? Where you yeah. can't think about pushing yeah. when you're in early labor. You mm-hmm. got to stay in the moment, not get your head mm-hmm. wrapped up in the oh no, what's coming? And I often, with a client, would say, okay, for the next 24 hours, here's what our plan is going to be, because if you're if you're suggesting yeah. that a client um, pump after every feeding and, um, you know, do some of the things that we can suggest mm. doing, which can be helpful, they need to know that there's going to, this is a small window of time. This is not forever. This is months down the road. Mm-hmm. And we readjust depending on the feedback, both of the mother and the baby of seeing the sustainability of this. And I yeah. also think this is kind of when an education come education becomes really helpful. If if we've got this baby that is falling mm-hmm. asleep on the breast and mom says, 
yes, the baby's been nursing for 50 minutes at a time, but they're all like in um, a onesie as well as a long sleeve pajamas <laughs> with a hat. Right. Yes. That we're going to make some changes yes. there. We're going to suggest, okay, take those clothes off the baby, skin to skin. When baby starts to nod off, you're going to do some things to help um, stimulate the baby because really a, a four-year-old yes. baby is not able to nurse. And there's a difference between actually transferring milk and a baby being on their suckling. And so if a mom yeah, non-nutritive. Yes, exactly. I don't have milk because the baby's been on there and isn't gaining weight, but they're on there for 50 minutes. Well, they're suckling. They're not actually mm-hmm. transferring milk. And I think that's a subtle, people aren't understanding the differences between those two things, that there are some little tweaks that we can make before we go to, it doesn't work. Yes. And most of the time, it's those little tweaks that I make when I show yeah. up at your house that make all the difference. You were already on the right track. You were already doing everything you were supposed to do. It's just these little tweaks. And I'm so glad you brought up, you know, the fact that a baby is all bundled up in a onesie and mittens and gloves and socks and like a freaking snow coat in LA and your house. Like what is going on here? We need to remove those clothes. A baby cannot respond to your body if they're not skin to skin. Skin to skin is such a powerful tool for breastfeeding. And you will find that the baby is more apt to wake up more frequently and stay awake if they're responding to everything that they're seeing, hearing, smelling, feeling while they're on your body. I like to tell my clients that every layer of clothing is another article of separation between you Mm -hmm. and your baby. So look at it that way. Yeah, you know, which it. it totally makes sense to put clothes on a baby when they're not skin to skin with you and maybe even a light blanket on the yeah. outside. But babies are yes. made to um, to adjust their temperature and regulate it next to a mom. I mean, there's research. You know, mom yeah. has a temperature. Baby will actually spike a temperature. Mom's temperature is low mm-hmm. and we're talking internal temperature not here i feel hot or cold and baby also adjust right. to that it's it is biologically pre-programmed in this relationship um i, I think another yes. point um that i i encounter is that breastfeeding looks very different in the early days than it does long term <laughs> and People will get this idea of like, oh, great. They're telling me that I got to be skin to skin sitting around naked forever to figure out this whole breastfeeding thing. Um, Help us like kind of give us some um, ideas of what are some markers? What are some encouraging things that you tell people of what the breastfeeding relationship is going to look like? I'm sitting over here giggling because I too breastfed a three-year-old. And I think it's just funny to do like a quick flash through of the three-year-old and all of the nurse nastics in between. <laughs> oh, God. nurse nastics! I love them. I I tell my clients all the time: you can breastfeed this baby upside down if that's what works for you guys. I am not getting in the way. I have really done that. So, I taught um, baby yoga for a yeah. bit and oh had my. Baby Crawl up to me and nurse while I was in downward facing dog. 
I love it so much. I love it so much. I think um, (laughs) you're my hero, first of all. It was pretty, I'll tell you that. Um, (laughs) I think um, for me, God, I hate sounding like a broken record, but I just, it all comes back to trust. It's like, You have to trust that your body is going to adjust to the many different phases of your child's development. Their needs are not going to be the same at two months as they were at two days or two weeks. At six months, they're going to change again. You have the introduction of teething. You have different symptoms happening, different reasons to nurse more or less. You have growth spurts, which cause more sleep, which may give you more engorgement, where you have to put different tools and strategies in place. You have better accessibility to going out in public and nursing while you're on the go and you have to decide what that looks like. You have the introduction of solids around, you know, four to six to eight to 12 months and the demand for breast milk lowers and the concentration of nutrients increases. So you might feel more and more exhausted. You might have much more energy. It's like you're, you're not only kind of getting yourself back um, to where you were before you started breastfeeding, but you're also exploring what it means to marry this new woman that you're becoming with that old person. And the two are meshing together while you're like watching this child grow in front of you. It's literally the most beautiful thing in the world to watch your body accomplish that and and really meet the needs of that child as they grow. But the, the needs are constantly changing. You're looking at your baby all the time going, oh, my God, where did you go? Right. Like, who is this new baby that yeah. I have with every milestone and your breasts just they just rise to the occasion, you know, if you let them. They do. It's, it's incredible. So nursing in the very early days, it does feel like that's what your job is around the clock. You know, you have to go on that nursing honeymoon. You have to say no to everything else because within that first 40 to 50 days of nursing, you know, you might not feel like you've really hit your stride, but once that relationship is established, you feel good about your latch, you have control over some strong positions, you start inviting some other things into your environment and then you know you hit a struggle again or there's a different obstacle and you have to adjust to that and you you know you have to make it's all about commitment I swear it's 97% commitment and determination and perseverance it's not even so much about the amount of milk that you're making it's it's so much more about just setting your goals, constantly reevaluating them, constantly being aware of how you are feeling and asking for what you need. And if you feel like you can no longer tolerate this baby suckling on your breast after 50 yeah. minutes of it, yeah. tell someone that. Yeah. Ask for help. Yeah. You know, tell someone that. Ask yourself, have I reached my tolerance level with this? Because Right now, I just feel like a cow and I need to get up and pee and I yeah. need to eat. Like, find your voice and take a break. There's I nothing wrong really, with that. I really like what you're saying because I think um, we, as moms, from, I mean, gosh, we were just talking with someone um, who's pregnant right now and talking about an issue she's having. Mm-hmm. And um, both Elisa and I turned to her and said, Mom, shame starts now. Like, you have a baby. 
growing inside of yes. you and there's mom shame. And, and there's mom shame around having to pee while breastfeeding. Seriously. Yeah. And I think what? for those who have, I mean, I have sat with women as a postpartum doula and as someone who's educating around breastfeeding and ask some really pointed questions. And I'm sure with your um, experience as well in psychology, you can understand mm-hmm. that mental health is different from, I yes. need to just push through, I think I'm weak. Mental health is super important. Yes. And some folks, when they're having a challenge with low supply, low sleep, trying to figure it all out, for them to be asked some really pointed questions and and, and given permission by themselves to say, yes. this is not what's best for me. Um, but I think also agreeing mm-hmm. that we're bringing in this flip side too of um, feelings come and feelings go. And sometimes in the moment, things are horrible, yes. but we, is that an indicator of we mm-hmm. should give up? Or is that a, I need to go pee, have something to eat, reset myself, and I'm going to push through this. Right. Nothing is not even feelings. Right. Yeah. Right. Let's get to that fallacy really quick. Mm -hmm. And then we've got one more question to you. But the fallacy I'm thinking of is um, research shows us that um, people who decide I will get more sleep if I'm not breastfeeding, that's not actually a fact Mm -hmm. um, that Babies, um, yeah, no. I'll let you. I gave you a fact. So, Jen didn't ask you a question. I just told she you. She just told you the answer, <laughs> but I bet you know more. <laughs> I was like, yes, amen. Next question? No. Um, um, no, one of the things that I work so hard on is sideline position and laid back nursing position. Let's let's work on how you can safely fall asleep while breastfeeding your baby or let's work on how you can release all that stress and figure out what it means to bond with your baby through sleep. And praise God, if you have a support system in your home during the day, practice those positions yeah. during the day yeah. and sleep. Like, please sleep whenever and wherever you can. Sleep on the floor at 7-Eleven if that's where your baby's going to let you do it. Like, yeah, come I on. Think, you know? I think that's really important um, um, for folks to really know. Um, in their mind, it does kind of make sense. Oh, well, if I'm just formula feeding, then I can go off and just sleep or whatever. Um, that there, it's a bigger, it's a bigger discussion around that. And it's not as simple as let me quit breastfeeding so I can get some proper sleep. And of course, I just talked about mental health and we know that there is intricacies here with mental health. And so Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I'm giving proper due diligence to the folks that we're not giving rules. And even the decisions that you make as a human being, we want to respect that. There's not judgment. There's not shame. And I think that as a new mom, I totally thought if I was giving formula, I would be getting so much more sleep. And so we want to bring out that fact as well. It doesn't make a baby's belly any bigger. Right. Okay. No, it doesn't make a baby's belly any bigger. And and honestly, you could be creating more issues with 
formula. You know, you may be creating discomfort in your baby that would keep them awake. So um, we definitely want to, I just want to emphasize like our business, yes, is about breastfeeding support. It's about lactation. It was built on that. But really what our business is about is about empowering a woman to make her own choice. Okay. So if we, if you're looking me in the eye and saying, I honestly believe that I have tried everything I can to meet my breastfeeding goals and I am okay with letting this go in order to save my sanity, then my answer to you is not, well, I have one more thing I want you to try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. No. My answer to you is if you have made that decision, I am here to empower you and support you. And like you said, I give you permission to make that decision. It is not up to me. I always say to to everyone, I love your baby. I walked in this door and saw your baby and fell in love. I want nothing more than for them to get as much breast milk as they can and grow and thrive and become this beautiful human being that you have created. However, you You are my client. So if you are not taken care of, and if I do not see you doing the things that are necessary to keep your soul in alignment, breastfeeding will not work no matter what I tell you. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, it's very important. Mental health is so important. And that's why I have all those questions. You know, what's underneath this? What are we really talking about? What's really going on here? It's so important for moms to be asked those questions because more than half the time we have babies and we feel like no one cares about that stuff anymore. No one's asking us those questions anymore. You're not just a set of breasts. You know, you're a whole person. person. Oh my gosh. I feel like I've got a thousand more questions for you. I feel like we could do this all day. Um, For sure. We want to ask you if you will please come back and talk to us about um, returning to work and breastfeeding because I Yes, 100%. We would love to do that. Hopefully, Candace James will be feeling better and she can come back. I love it. We can have the double Candace time. And... uh, (laughs) awesome can you please tell our listeners where they can find you yes they can find us on instagram at goldilacks it's spelled g-o-l-d-i-l-a-c-t-s just look for the mama bear feeding her cub goldilacks um and also at www.goldilacks awesome we'll put all of that in our show notes as well candace thank you so much. You are such yes. an awesome guest. Thanks yes. for being today. No, thank you guys so much for all the work that you're doing and spreading the word to normalize <laughs> the shit out of birth and breastfeeding. You know, if you ever get to Seattle, we would love you. Just come on up. <laughs> Oh my god! No, we're definitely keeping. I'm making that happen. Sorry, like it's gonna. I'm gonna barge in on you. No, it's gonna happen. It's just you've got friends. You've got friends. That's right. With so many baby products being marketed to us, it's easy to overthink our options. With Becco Baby Carriers, you don't have to worry because they've designed a product tailored to your busy lifestyle. Becco makes award-winning baby carriers that are simple, functional, and stylish for every modern parent. 
Shop now at BeccoBaby.com.